This episode is brought to you by Get Mobile ID by Get Group North America, the smart choice for ID implementations. Put citizens in control with Get Mobile ID, fully ISO compliant 18013-5, and surpasses AMVA guidelines. Learn more at getgroupna.com. Welcome to AmbaCast, bringing news, information, and expertise to the Amba community. Here's your host, Ian Grossman. Enjoy the show. Well, welcome back to the AmbaCast, everyone. This week, uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about a neat project that Amba has uh, helped out with and supported with, which is a research project coming out of Clemson University uh, regarding ADHD and driving. And to talk to me about it, I'm pleased to welcome Claudia Summers. Uh, who is in the process of getting her master's in transportation. Uh, is that correct, Claudia? Did I say that right? Transportation Safety Administration. Transportation Safety Administration at Clemson University. That's correct. Well, Claudia, welcome to our AmbaCast. Thank you for having me. I love being here. Now, we were connected with you um, through some introductions, and in essence, you did a little bit of an internship with us, working directly with our CEO, Ann Farrow, correct? That is correct. I was very fortunate to be uh, connected with her through Teresa Wilson, uh, one of our administrators for our program. And I think um, Ann is actually on our board of directors for our program. So um, I was very fortunate to get to get connected, and it was a really wonderful experience. Now, before you were connected, you had already had this idea for this project. You had already started, you know, a little bit of scoping out what you were interested in, I would assume? Yes. I, well, my son, my oldest child, has ADHD. He was um, he was diagnosed at the age of six. So it's always been on the forefront of everything that I do um, in terms of education, in terms of working with, you know, other children, With in terms of working with adults, because I educate adults in my job. And so, and I knew that my son had had issues with driving. So it, it just kind of was a natural um, connection for me. And I did a, um, what they call a, I forgot now what they're called. Uh, it's a paper that we have to do in a presentation in our classes. And I did it on ADHD and driving by just looking at some research. And one of my instructors said, you know, that'd be a great internship. And so mm. it just kind of bloomed from there. So I'm curious, you first observed it in watching your son learn how to drive and have some driving. What were the, what, what were you seeing that said, oh, this is a challenge that could be related to this. And I have to say, I very much relate my oldest son, exact same thing, uh, mm. and is in the process of learning how to drive. So there you go, this, yeah. for, for me, I mean, I'm sure there's other people listening to it. That's going to be great, but I'm going to soak this all in because I am in your shoes. Yes. When he uh, first started driving now, granted, if we were in the car with him initially, he was attuned because he had somebody reminding him constantly what to do. But, yeah. you know, as he started getting more independent, we noticed he had more issues with, you know, some road rage. We had, we saw that he had several crashes once he got his license. Mm-hmm. Um, there were several things, you know, and us being new parents, he was our first child. Mm-hmm. We um, chalked it up to just being, you know, a typical teenager thing. Yeah. But as I have been more and more attuned to ADHD and things like that, I realized that, you know, it could have been more the fact that he wasn't properly ready mm-hmm. um, to drive, given the fact that he had ADHD. Yeah. Uh, there was probably some things we could have done differently you know i you know some of that quote and this is a little bit beyond the driving piece but i've you know you clearly have lived in and around it enough and researched some of it adhd um misunderstood Absolutely. quick to be labeled 
um, and a lot of assumptions made by people who have not interacted with individuals who, you know, are neurodivergent in some manner. It, right? the, it is not, ADHD is not just the six-year-old who can't sit in his chair during class. That is correct. It's far more complicated than that. Um, have you done some research that could help, you know, maybe educate some of our listeners that could flush out, I think, you know, where you, where you can see I'm going here? Absolutely. Um, a lot of times people believe that ADHD is a discipline issue. Um, I, I can't tell you how many times over the years we've been told, well, if you would just discipline your child, well, let me tell you, that was that was a consistent thing in our house. You know, we were very consistent disciplinarians. Um, and I'm not saying spanking. I'm not saying, you know, time out. The way you discipline is the way you discipline. And that's really the important piece. It has to be consistent. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, a lot of people think it's be- it's just because the child is wild. Mm-hmm. And that is not true by no means. Um, you know, they, they truly have, their brain has at least five areas that are underdeveloped. And that's part of the research I found is those five areas affect their ability to control their executive functioning. Yes. Um, and that executive functioning handles how they, um, for instance, in driving, their executive function controls how they assess the distance from a car is coming to them and the speed of that vehicle coming to them. And they cannot assess it as, as quickly as someone without ADHD or they cannot assess it as accurately. And so sometimes they make moves and turns before they should because they're not assessing correctly. And that's part of the, the processing part of ADHD. Um, and that's just one small example. But um, one that I know another one that maybe is related to that is uh, sometimes the impulse control. Absolutely. And how that similar, like, you know, well, maybe I think I have time to make this turn or yes. I just want to make this turn. and I'm not going to wait. Exactly. Yeah. Impulse control is a big thing, whether it be the child jumping off of the sofa, you know, into the floor or whether it be driving. Sometimes they just don't realize that there is an outcome of what they're doing. And it's it's not that they don't think that they could get hurt. It's just their control factor in their brain is just not there. And or it takes longer to develop depending upon the child. But um, absolutely. Impulse control is a huge piece of that puzzle. So as you settled into starting to do some research specifically for this project, you know, what was let's start with the premise, the premise of your project. You wanted to connect ADHD with with driving Um, me not not living in an academic world. uh, There's a presumption you start with some sort of thesis question that you're trying to prove or disprove. Is that at all in in play here? Yeah, in a way, I, I really my whole premise of my my paper that I did in my project was the to start the conversation about ADHD and driving. And the the thing that I really was trying to find out is are states actually looking at ADHD? Are they looking at it as a risk factor? And is there a way that they can identify it, or do they actually require? Um, ADHD to be reported whenever someone's trying to get licensed. Mm-hmm. And so more it's more or less a, I guess, a fact-finding project more than anything else. So how did you go, how'd you go about that? I think this is where we started to partner with you in terms of yes. getting out and collecting some of those facts from the driver licensing world. Absolutely. Um, once we started uh, talking about what we were looking for, we developed a um, focus group and the focus group was a representation of, of 36 separate um, DMV offices or DMV administrators. Mm-hmm. And as a group, we discussed the, the topic and then we decided to develop a survey and the survey went out to all of the regions, all of the Amber regions for, for them to have people within those regions to respond. And we got kind of the data that we were looking for. Number one, were they looking at ADHD? Had they even thought about ADHD? 
Um, what do they have in place currently um, that actually identifies it or helps them to help the client once they realize that ADHD or executive functioning issues are a mm-hmm. factor? Um, and then what do they do once they they know that it's a, a factor? You know, is there a follow up with that person or is there a process that they go through to help them be better, be more successful in driving? So if you had to summarize what you found in the, in the answers to those questions in the survey, most people were surprised, hadn't thought about it, mixed bag. A lot of people are working on it. Absolutely. Most of the respondents say that their states have not even looked at it. The only thing that they did say that that some said that they were doing is that they mention it in the driver's manual, but it's basically to let them know that if they need, um, if the the client needs some kind of accommodations for testing, that's why it was listed in the driver's manual. It wasn't listed as being, hey, if your child has ADHD or you have ADHD, you might want to benefit or you might benefit from XYZ. Um, it was not addressed in the sense of ADHD and driving. It was more just testing. Yeah. And so since they weren't doing it, I want to go back to that thing you just said. You may address it by X, Y, Z. Right. Are, the, are there ideas out there? Mm-hmm. Have you started to research ideas out there? What if, if jurisdictions wanted to do more in this space? Yes, there actually, um, there are people out in this world that do what's called um, driver rehabilitation specialists. Mm -hmm. And they are a set of of organ where they're they're usually physical therapists or occupational therapists who have extended training in drivers, driver rehabilitation. And there actually are programs out there that people, that these um, DMV offices can refer people to or doctor's offices can refer people to, to get the therapy they need to be better drivers. Typically, they set up a plan with the parent, if it's a young driver, and the driver um, to help them reach plateaus before they begin driving as a licensed driver. Um, and then as they develop those those skills, then, of course, the requirements or the restrictions, I guess you would say, are reduced. So it gives them time to actually have more, I guess you would say, more supervised time behind the wheel rather than just being thrown out to the wolves and having to deal with the ADHD issues and with the driving issues as, as convoluted as that is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so as you bring all that information together, what is the compilation of this work that you've been working on? Well, we realized that this was not addressed in the majority of the United States. Mm-hmm. Canada actually was ahead of us in that they had already started doing some driver rehabilitation referrals yeah. um, and possibly some identification in in certain ways within their their um, application process. Okay. So using their their guidelines, I get not really guidelines, but their recommendations of what was working for them, we developed an educational insert that can be given out to all the DMVs across the country to help them know what better to do and start the conversation a little bit more. Um, and then I know that Miss um, Farah, she's actually working with the testing um, group to help them try to work out something with the testing part as well. So I've not gotten a whole lot back from that yet, just because I've been out of the internship and kind of back into the real world. <laughs> so uh, she would have to fill in the blanks of where they are with that. Yeah, I believe that's a fairly recent development. It was just a couple of weeks ago where, you know, they talked talk through learning about your research, the work you're doing. And I believe it's supposed to a test maintenance subcommittee around right. what might testing, you know, accommodations look like, as well as our um, international driver examiner Sanders. certification program. Yeah. You know, how do you alert examiners to understand that a applicant 
may have you know these these elements at play when they're taking their driver exam and how to be sensitive to you know ADHD or similar similar circumstances. That's right. Yeah, and we've realized through the research and through the fact of of actually input from all of the the focus group individuals that really the biggest thing is is that you want to make sure you educate all of your examiners, educate them on what they're looking for, and help them understand that sometimes just because they're in the car with that that person who has ADHD, sometimes that's just enough for the ADHD not to be visible. And I say visible being that, that mistakes aren't made because they're more attuned. They're, they've mm-hmm. got someone there kind of targeting and pushing their buttons at the right time, I guess you would say. Um, and typically the problems show up when they're by themselves and they've been driving a little bit and they get a little bit more confident um, and that kind of thing. So that's the big thing that we found. We also know that we really have to be careful how we address this in terms of identification because you don't want to, you know, trigger an ADA report. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to be very careful how you approach that with with your clients. So there's a lot of questions there, a lot of a lot of things that have to be dealt with before you can actually put anything into place. Yeah. So where would you want to see this ultimately land? You've worked in public health issues for pretty much your whole career as I've seen it. And so, which we're going to talk about in a moment as well, because I think when I introduced you at this, at the beginning as, you know, an intern who's getting a a master's, um, I think certain assumptions are made there. And, you know, I think you break, you know, you break the mold. I mean, there's other, you know, students out there who get advanced degrees after a career, but you're not the, you know, typical, you know, 22 year old intern who's just getting the degrees before starting your career, you're actually doing additional education through the course of your career. But I digress for a second. In that context, you know, where, where are you hoping that this body of work might lead transportation safety? Who I would love to see it actually go back to the high school level where they have driver's education. Mm-hmm. Um, that is a key place. And that is actually was one of my recommendations in my paper and in my presentation. That is the place that you have the safety net there for the student. It is also the location that the best picture of that person or that student is. Um, And I'm talking like new drivers, I guess I should also give you a little bit more about people maybe our age that's never driven before either. But Mm -hmm. if you're looking at a teenage driver that's getting their license at the age of 16, 17, whatever, driver's education is an area where they may already have a 504 plan automatic 504 or IFSP where automatically, you know, there, Hey, this kid might need a little bit more support before they start driving. But if there's not one there, if if he's never been diagnosed, the driver's ed teacher, if they correspond with the DMV and they correspond with the student's doctor, if possible, um, this could help bridge those gaps and make sure that that student gets what they need when they get it behind the wheel Mm. instead of just throwing them behind the woods. Cause we all know that the 16 to 24 year old age group are have the highest crash rates anyway. And that's just assuming that they're all typically developing and don't have a condition like ADHD. Right. So I would love to see it start there and potentially for even adult drivers who are trying to get their license or have had issues with their license, have a protocol in place within the, the DMVs or within the process so that if there are triggers or there are risk factors assessed or found, that they have a place to go and, and help them out so that, you know, it keeps everyone else on safer on the road. It keeps that driver safer behind the wheel and their part and their people in the car with them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
So uh, now if we could take a step back and talk about, first I want to ask you about the program, a master's in transportation safety administration. Um, we've got a lot of listeners who are very in tune with transportation safety work in the field, myself included. I did not, I really didn't even know that this could be a degree path within yes. academic institutions. Is that a, is that a newer development or I've just been living under a rock, which both, both of those answers are, could be yes. <laughs> it is actually the only program of its kind in the United States. Um, there is a program in Europe that, that, that is equal to this. So it is brand new and Clemson is the trailblazer for this program. Um, so far we have five graduates from the program and it focuses on transportation safety in a safe systems approach. Mm-hmm. So to not only look at the beha- behavior of the driver or the behavior of the road user, you want to look at the all areas. You know, the road itself is the road safe. These are vehicles safer. Um, and you want to address it from the, the holistic approach rather than right. just uh, in the behavior management part. So, yes, and make sure there are redundancies there so that if one fails, the other is in place to mitigate or at least lessen the impact of the event. That is correct. That is correct. Yeah, we've talked a lot about safe systems with other other guests because it's you know it's well it's honestly in some ways it's it's a new buzzword, right? It's you know it the it's you know a new packaging of the four E's, right? You know, bringing together a multidisciplinary approach to for, for, for road safety, uh, but we are definitely advocates and, and supporters of it. Um, so in the in the program, um, what are you know your colleagues, your fellow students, are they working in transportation safety? Are they coming from a health background like yourself? We have several different backgrounds. Uh, we have law enforcement. We actually had, so far, I've had two in the program. One has graduated. Actually, both have graduated. I'm sorry. Um, we have some in hospital-based programs. We have um, some people that are with the uh, Motor Carrier Association. We have, I think we have one that just graduated from an engineering program. I actually have another engineer as well. So it's it's very varied. Um, for the most part, I would say we have, I, I can't say that there's there's more than two of each kind, two of different yeah. kinds, you know, so it's across the board, really. Well, it's, it's funny, even in you explaining the demographics of the students, it's very indicative of the mixed nature of safe systems. That's right. right. The, you got the behavioral piece with folks like yourself. You talked about engineers with the infrastructure, enforcement, um, et cetera, et cetera. Absolutely. So that's, that's pretty cool. And it actually, I'm I'm sorry, and it actually has the biggest piece of that is it helped us in our classes be able to play in each other's sandbox. Mm Because, you know, typically you have issues with law enforcement playing with in the sandbox with fire departments and fire departments have really stepped up their game in working with occupant protection. I know in North Carolina um, with the child passenger safety program that I am heavily involved in with my job, fire departments are our biggest partners. And so getting them to work with law enforcement sometimes is difficult. And so this program, the MTSA program, has helped me know what to say to help them work together and to bring those those two very vital pieces of the puzzle together. And so you actually you come to this class after a nearly 20 year career with North Carolina state government. That's correct. Working more in the uh, insurance side, but again, in community risk. And I think if I read your background correctly, correctly, some passenger safety work. Yes, absolutely. I've I've done public health. That's where I started. Um, kind of got voluntold to take the child passenger okay. safety program. <laughs> and at the time I had a five-year-old and a three-year-old and took the class and realized how dangerously unsafe they rode in the car. 
And, you know, I thought I was pretty educated and pretty smart, but I was doing it incorrectly. So it spurred a passion for me to make sure that other parents were not like me. Right. Mm. So um, getting into the child passenger safety program, I taught for the state as a contractor for almost 20 years um, and then kind of worked my way into this job where I'm actually doing it for a living and actually working in other areas as well for injury prevention and community risk reduction. Mm -hmm. So um, it's been a journey, but all of the jobs that I've had in my past have kind of led me here. And it's, it's truly my passion. And so that was that what started as passenger safety has become this passion for transportation safety That's right. over, overall. Um, where, when will you be graduating? Do you know yet? If everything goes well, I <laughs> take my final class starting in August and graduate in December. So Excellent. absolutely excited That's about exciting. that. That's great. So it uh, confused me a little bit at first when we're talking about you're in North Carolina, but going to school at Clemson. But I guess that's just the nature of the, the Carolinas, huh? Well, it is. But this program also, we have uh, students, and I, I failed to mention this, but we have students in Zimbabwe. We have students from other countries. So wow. um, it's a definitely a very varied group of people that are taking these classes. So um, I would recommend it if anybody is interested in, in you know, having more interest and more um, yeah. experience in, in uh, Transportation Safety Administration. In your work with the state over the years, have you had the opportunity to interact with the North Carolina DMV through All the child the safety work? Yeah. <laughs> All the time. And sometimes it's indirectly. Sometimes it's the fact that I'm teaching somebody that works with even the DOT. Mm -hmm. So, um, but yeah, the DMV for sure. And actually my old boss is going to be the new director or has already started as the new director of the DMV here in North Carolina. So. Oh, excellent. See, so you're, you're officially part of the family now. <laughs> yes. Chloe, as we start to wrap up, is there, is there anything else about the Fundamental Research Project and what you learned about ADHD and driving that we haven't had a chance to, to talk about that you think if, if folks really want to know um, kind of what you've been working on, what you've learned, and maybe what they would benefit from, whether they're in a DMV or they're in driver education or they're simply, like me, a parent in the midst of teaching a young man with you know ADHD how to drive. Uh, what, what else haven't we talked on? Really, we've covered most of it. This The big thing is, is don't assume that the child is ready to drive just because they're of the age to drive. Yes. Um, you know, understand your child, understand that student, understand that driver's application enough to know where, they, where they're coming from and what they need to, to be able to function the best of their ability. With our son, I think what we should have done is we should have stepped back and, and found one of these driver rehabilitation specialists to help him from the get-go. And we probably wouldn't have had the expenses that we had. He even lost his license for a year due to a, due to a ticket mm. that he should have known better, you know, on. So I guess the thing I really would like to say is meet, the, meet those children, meet that new driver where they are and help them where they are. Yeah. And we need to, to recognize that across the board. It may not be drivers. It, it might not be ADHD. It might be some other condition that's out there that we haven't thought about. Yeah. And don't push them if they're not, if they're not ready. That's something, you know, we learned, you know, when a lot of his friends were hitting the age of going to get the permit, he wasn't so interested yet. And we said, you know what, that's fine. Cause if you're not interested, one, you may not be ready or two, as you know, you're, Intern partner Ann Farrow would, would say if she was on here, you know, every day they're not driving, you know they're safe. That's exactly right. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. 
Well, Claudia, thank you for spending some time with us. It's really fascinating. I know that um, if folks want to see some more of the documentation, certainly I know they could, you know, connect with me and or Denise Hanschleck and our team that, you know, has been kind of been liaisoning with you. Is there any other place that folks should go and look or is there going to be a final thesis paper that you're going to be publishing on this that we can look forward to? Well, the MTSA program doesn't require a thesis, which is, I guess, good and bad. (laughs) But they can always contact me directly if they're interested in in reading more about it. I'm I'm more than happy to share the information. That's fantastic. Fantastic. Um, Maybe we'll even have you come by to one of our meetings sometime soon and talk to people about what you've learned and give a little presentation since it sounds like what you do is go around and teach a lot anyway. I would love to do that. I would love that opportunity. Well, we will stay in touch for sure. Until then, it's been a pleasure meeting you. Good luck to any other kids you have to teach to drive? Uh, no, both of mine have already got their license and yeah. actually hit the road. So, <laughs> All right. Well, maybe I'll send mine down to you since you've done it successfully. Oh, thank you. <laughs> all right. For all of you listening, thanks for tuning in this week. It's great to have you here. Thanks to our producers, Claire Jeffrey and Chelsea Hadwin. Till next week, everyone, stay well. Thank you for joining us for Amvacast, hosted by Ian Grossman, produced by Claire Jeffrey and Chelsea Hadwin, music by Gibson Arthur. This episode was brought to you by Get Mobile ID by Get Group North America. Visit us at amvacast.podbean.com and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify.